is Camilla, and you're listening to the Cat's Whisker, a time machine for all those who love rock and roll and want to know everything about it. People, stories, and the music that changed the world. In a few words, it doesn't matter whether you've lived through those years or, just like me, you've always wondered what it was like. I have loads of stories to tell and great music to play. So, let's roll! Hello everyone, welcome back to the Cat's Whisker. This is Camilla and you're listening to the grooviest podcast around. I absolutely love today's topic because it made me laugh so much and I love the fact that I actually involved some of you (laughs) in this endeavor. Um, So one day I thought, being Italian, English is not my first language, so obviously when I first started singing songs in English, I had absolutely no idea what they were about, okay? Not only that, uh, I, must ad- I must admit that most of the times I was simply singing gibberish, and now that I can speak English, and I do speak English on a daily basis, I find myself singing some songs, and then I have this moment of realization, and I think, ah, that's what that song that I was singing when I was 12 means. And don't get me wrong, some of the songs that I used to sing when I was young are still gibberish in my head because that's how I learned them. Uh, And sometimes I really need to pay attention to actually understand songs, even if it's not very hard. It's just something that doesn't happen when it's not your native language. But then there is an even crazier category of songs that for once don't make me feel like the odd one out. The ones that no one understands because they're meant to be completely absurd. Songs that would get even English majors down on their knees. That's why I thought, let's find out the story behind some of the most mysterious songs of the 1960s. But why should I limit this adventure to myself only? A few days ago, I decided to ask my followers on Instagram which songs left them puzzled over the years and that's what we're going to explore in this episode. So let's start with Donovan, the Scottish folk singer that reinvented himself in the late 60s as the first British hippie songwriter. I've dedicated a video to his signature tune Mellow Yellow on my TikTok and Instagram so if you're curious about that one check it out I promise you won't be disappointed when you find out what a Mellow Yellow is and you'll probably want one for yourself. Today we'll talk about his 1969 song Goo Goo Love is Hot, a track written by Donovan and that features a very impressive group of artists. So impressive that for a second I nearly forgot that this song is a complete and utter what the F moment. Donovan is here backed by the Jeff Beck group, Ronnie Wood on bass, Nicky Hopkins on keyboard, people like Madeline Bell and Susie Quatter on backing vocals. I mean, this is quite cool for a song with absolutely nonsensical lyrics. The song is about a man, Baraba Jagal, who makes tea for his lady. Donovan apparently liked the idea of going back to primitive natural healing rituals and that's how the idea for Baraba Jagal was born. A man much like a shaman who makes a special tea so powerful that could free anyone from pain. A tea that I have the impression we probably wouldn't find in Tesco. But the most interesting thing here is the title, Gugu Barabajagal. Where does it come from? Yes, because believe it or not, Gugu Barabajagal doesn't mean anything. <laughs> what a surprise. I thought maybe it's something spiritual in a mysterious language. No. 
Donovan was a very good friend of the Beatles and even contributed to the song Yellow Submarine with the lines Sky of Blue and Sea of Green. Wow, he's actually very proud of that one. Well, they went to India together. Donovan was invited to the final recording of A Day in the Life and Paul McCartney even appears on Mellow Yellow. So, obviously, they knew each other, they influenced each other, and it's not surprising that Donovan took his inspiration for Goo Goo, Barabajagao, from I Am The Walrus, Goo Goo Kajoob. Not a particularly mysterious song, so let's talk about that one. It appears on Magical Mystery Tour, and it was written by John Lennon, who wanted it to be a single, but to much of his resentment, became Hello Goodbye's B-side. Many people have had something to say about the song. What does it mean? What's the deep significance of what Lennon was trying to say? This is what John Lennon said about the song. The first line was written on an acid trip one weekend, the second line on another acid trip the next weekend. And we believe you, John. We really do. Pete Shotton, Lennon's cool friend, said that what really inspired the absolutely absurd lyrics was a letter he received from a student of his former school, Boribank, where a young boy told Lennon that the teacher was asking the pupils to analyze the Beatles lyrics. So John probably thought, well, try this one if you dare. And so I'm not a teacher at Quarterbank, but I'm here in 2023 still trying to find out what he actually meant. The characters in particular, the walrus, come from Lewis Carroll's work, The Walrus and the Carpenter. And Eric Burden, singer of The Animals, thinks he cracked the code behind the Eggman reference. Apparently, one night uh, at a party in Mayfair, he told Lennon a story about his girlfriend pleasuring him after cracking an egg on his... Okay, you got it. I'm the Walrus is a pastiche of different pieces of songs written in different moments and then put all together. From quite obscure references to policemen, to words that Lennon thought worked well next to each other, to rhymes that he made up when he was a teen in Liverpool. One thing must be said about Lennon's lyrics. Songs like Revolution No. 9 or John Lennon and Yoko Ono's early and finished recordings will certainly make you exclaim, what the hell was that? after hearing them, but I feel like they don't belong to this category because they were all part of some completely incomprehensible avant-garde stream of the 60s. Not to mention some lyrics that didn't really age well. My friend Aria, who runs one of my favorite Instagram accounts in the vintage community, Retrokiliki, spelled R-E-T-R-O-K-Y-L-L-I-K-K-I, Aria, I really hope I pronounced this right. If you love vintage outfits and earrings, please go give her a follow, she's amazing. So she suggested Run For Your Life by The Beatles, a song that is questionable in many ways. So many that even John Lennon admitted not liking it at all. It is actually referenced in a line in um, Baby Let's Play House, a song by Elvis Presley, but it's fair to say it took a turn. But it ended up in Rubber Soul only because George Harrison really liked it. Another song by the Beatles that always left me quite confused comes from Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I'm talking about being for the benefit of Mr. Kite! Exclamation mark. And I'm not the only one 
who was left confused by this one. This song was requested by Shrey, who loves the Beatles just as much as me, and on his account, Shrey in Life, he posts memes and piano covers, a lot of vintage stuff. So if you want a good laugh and hear some nice covers, check it out. So back to Mr. Kite. The inspiration came when Lennon bought a Victorian circus poster from 1843 in an antique shop while he was filming the promotional video for Strawberry Fields Forever. The circus was held in Rochdale in benefit of a certain Mr. William Kite, a performer for Pablo Fanke, the first black circus owner in the UK. Besides some changes, the lyrics of the song are loyal to the poster someone printed in ye olde 1843, not knowing that 120 years later, someone would have made that circus more famous than ever. But the Beatles certainly weren't the ones with the most obscure songs when it came to psychedelia. This song was sent in by Benji from the account Vinyl Benji. If you love vinyl, he has an impressive collection and will talk you through a lot of great music with knowledge and humor. So I wasn't surprised when he suggested a song I wasn't really familiar with, Incense and Peppermint by the American band Strawberry Alarm Clock. Incense and Peppermint was the debut single in 1967 and even if it never charted in the UK, when it got to number one in the US, it allowed them to tour with the Beach Boys and meet many people on the musical landscape of the day. Their inconsistency though in terms of hit writing and lineup and apparently quite a big number of lawsuits led them to break up several times, although apparently they're now together again. Incense and Peppermints arrived during the top season of Psychedelia and I'm not gonna lie, the fact that a psychedelic song so blatantly about drugs got to number one in America is rare, but it's very weird lyrics don't come as a surprise at all. I've tried to find out more about it. The title is basically how to smoke without being busted. I mean, maybe it was obvious, but I had absolutely no idea that incense is used to hide the strong smell of weed and, well, peppermints, this is a bit easier, to mask a person's breath after they've smoked. So that's the easy part. The lyrics, on the other hand, are a list of nouns and verbs that I've tried to connect to what could have been on these people's minds in 1967. Turn on, tune in, drop out was Timothy Leary's slogan to encourage people to embrace the change in society and obviously start using LSD. During those years, he was holding several speeches about the beneficial effects of psychoactive substances and he was promoting the amazing effects of LSD on the human brain. Turn on, tune in, drop out was used for the very first time at one of his speeches in New York at the end of September 1966. So that must have been on the band's mind when they wrote this song. And that also links to the fact that some think that incense and peppermint is probably not only about drugs, but about waking up to the new society that America all of a sudden found itself in. Dead Kings may suggest a connection with JFK's death or the murder of many activists. And some lines in particular might actually confirm this theory. To divide the cockeyed world in two, throw your pride to one side, it's the least you can do. Beatniks and politics, nothing is new, a yardstick for lunatics, one point of view. So is this song deeper than we thought? Let me know what you think. On the other side of the Atlantic, psychedelia continued, and one of the most interesting compositions of the period has to be I Can Hear the Grass Grow by The Move. 
abandon in a few years and lineups will become electric-like orchestra. I Can Hear the Grass Grow is a song that embodies psychedelia perfectly because even by just reading the title you already feel like you're on a trip. So I was definitely confused when I discovered that the story of how it was born has no connection to drugs whatsoever. Well, that's what they say. Songwriter Roy Wood always stated that the inspiration for the rainbows in the evening and the head attached to a magnetic wave of sound, etc., in the song come from a book of fairy tales he wrote when he was at the Mosley College of Art. And it's in fact about a mentally ill person. Wood actually was always quite bitter about all the misinterpretations of the song and the way the press used to push for the association between musicians and drugs. It's so clearly not about drugs, right? But as I was saying, the title is a trip in itself. I can hear the grass grow and I love it because it really speaks to me and here's the reason why. Photographer Robert Davidson apparently inspired Wood in this case. Well, a letter he received. A man told him, I listen to pop music on the radio because where I live it's so bloody quiet that I can hear the grass grow. That's literally how my life growing up in the Italian countryside felt like. Our last song for today is a treat and was suggested by Alina, aka Retro Dream Girl on Instagram. Honestly, one of the most creative and interesting accounts in the online vintage community. The song she sent in is hilarious and also the only one that is not in English, but that's not the reason why it's absolutely crazy. And I'm talking about the song L'Orange by Gilbert Bécaud. So if you don't understand French, um, I'll tell you what this song is about. It's about someone who stole an orange. And just like Alina said to me, it's a bop. But what the hell was that? Okay, I had to investigate. So it's some sort of conversation between someone that accuses the thief of stealing the orange and the thief actually defending himself. So I'll read you some lines I've translated. You're crazy, it wasn't me. I didn't steal the orange. I'm too scared of thieves. I didn't take the orange from the vendor. Yes, it couldn't be you. You're naughty and ugly. There was blood on your fingers when the orange dripped. No, no, no. Yes, it's definitely you who stole it with your crooked hands. Are you crazy? Say. Yeah, it's definitely you who stole it. There's someone who saw you. What? Some people think it's about social prejudice. If you're ugly, it also means that you're a bad person or even a criminal, essentially. That is an interesting point of view that could be true even today. I mean, not strictly if you're ugly, but if you're different for society, people who need to put a label on everything will feel uncomfortable. And from this feeling, they tend to assume the most horrible things about you. But interestingly enough, the two writers of this song, Beko and Pierre Delanoë, tell a different story. They were in a wooden cabin, bought. Beko says, I have a show in two weeks. Do you have anything in store? And Delanoe says, no. Beko insists, it's not complicated. Throw a word. And so Delanoe, professional lyricist, says, orange. And that's how two friends, probably bought out of their mind, made up a song about an orange. Oh my god, what a journey that was. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. 
And if you know any more songs that I can obviously discover more about, just send me a message and let me know if you like this episode of the podcast. I might actually make some more videos just like I did for Mellow Yellow. And uh, I absolutely love actually interacting with you uh, on Instagram because it's just a very, very nice community to be of honestly and if you want to follow any of the people that I mentioned I will publish a story on my Instagram with all of the handles Um, also because I'm not really sure I pronounced everything correctly and I'm so sorry about that but don't worry because I'm going to publish everything over there so you can follow them as well and be part of this amazing community thank you very much again for listening again I didn't say it but (laughs) my Instagram is the cat's whisker podcast and if you want to follow me on tiktok as well i am the cat's whisker the podcast is out everywhere even on youtube so if you want to subscribe to my channel i'm the cat's whisker podcast there as well thank you again for listening i'll see you next time ciao